Hello and welcome to the first edition of the Capiche Film Podcast. My name is Stephen Barry and with me is Scott Armour. Hello. Uh, we are going to spend today just talking a little about some of the films of 2018 that we've already seen um, with particular attention to Darkest Hour as both of us have seen that and want to spend a little time talking about that. Um, so, Icebreaker, what we, uh, what's your favourite film, Scott? Let's get to know Scott Armour. Uh, favourite film has to be Jaws. And why is that? I just remember seeing it as a young kid. Uh, and although I absolutely love, uh, you know, sharks and, you know, sea life and stuff like that. Amphibious lifestyles. Amphibious lifestyles, yeah. It essentially made me utterly petrified um, of, uh, you know, open water. But I suppose most people's fears would probably be stranded in shark infested water however Jaws amplified that what age were you when you first seen it I think I was probably probably about four no <laughs> oh, God. no 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 I don't know I probably about seven or eight uh, and uh, yeah abs- absolutely loved it loved the loved the tension you don't you know you don't see the shark yeah, until Spielberg just oh, it's just classic I mean, oh, it's, you don't you- see the shark until three quarters into the film and even then you don't see the full thing you just see the head it's mainly done with I mean I suppose there was a lot of problems on Jaws because they actually had a lot of problems with the actual shark which therefore Mm. they they meant they couldn't use Ah, a lot of the the limitations like most like it's the same with Alien which is one of the best ones they when you see too much of it, it kind of ruins it. Oh, the ruins mystery. that attention. Ruins <clears throat> that attention. So, so that's your favourite film. Do you like the Jaws sequels? I hear they're not so good. Absolutely not. No. <laughs> I think Jaws 2 is barely passable. Um, uh, just because Roy Schneider's still in it. Uh, but Jaws, Jaws the Revenge, Jaws 4 uh, just shouldn't be spoken yeah, about. Essentially comedies at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing how Michael Caine actually... actually you know, revived his career yeah. after after Shook Jaws. It, off. Uh, it was it was just uh, embarrassing, embarrassing. Okay, um, my film that I would probably say is my favourite. My answer is usually Goodfellas. Um, you know, it's a Martin Scorsese classic. It's yeah. I think everyone in that film is just perfectly cast. Really, um, I mean, I love Ray Liotta. I think he's he's most intense in that film, oh, and yet is still in some ways overshadowed of course by Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro yeah um so many classic scenes uh obviously everyone knows the famous uh Joe Pesci sequence I'm a clown yeah but even just the way it's shot ever that was the film when I watched it and I thought god I would love to I would love to get into to doing that kind of stuff yeah. of course it didn't but um <laughs> it just I was just so inspired by it and got me into gangster films as well I started watching all the other type of gangster films and yeah. Scorsese's films really like Casino as well is really up there so yeah that's kind of where I'm coming from from films um that I prefer nice okay so uh, we'll talk about uh, 2018 then. There's already I put up a list on our Facebook page of the films that are already out in January, and it's quite overwhelming. Yeah. The amount of films we need to see. You've actually caught quite a few of them. Um, I have. Yes. I'm, I'm trying to kind of. Well, I'm getting caught up in the the yearly Oscar boom mm-hmm. um, when you get a lot of films out competing with each other. Uh, just briefly talking about some of them. So uh, I've seen. Molly's Game, so that's Jessica Chastain, 
um, playing Molly Bloom. Uh, she was a ice skater. Uh, sorry, not an ice skater. Sorry, she was a Olympic skier uh, who turned. She got a bad injury and she turned into uh, basically running uh, poker nights. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then uh, not to not to dwell too much into it, but um, it is based on a true, true story. Me personally, it's an interesting story. However, it, to you know, Jessica Chastain and Idris Elba. She's, I mean, I think Chastain's one of the best yeah, actresses I mean, around right on, now. She's on form. Uh, Idris Elba, as much as I think he's a couple of films that I've seen him in, he, he can come across quite wooden as an mm. actor, uh, trying to put on an American accent, more notably in um, the Ridley Scott. Uh, oh, I know what you're talking about. We'll come back to that one. Aye, aye. So, um, uh, the Alien. Alien one. Alien prequel. Uh, Prometheus. Prometheus, yeah, aye. So, very wooden in that. Bad bad American accent. This one, he's on form. Accent. Like he, when he's good, he's, he's really good. good. Aye, so, <clears throat> two of them are on form. Uh, I just thought it kind of ended without really going anywhere. It was mm. it was an interesting story, but when it ended, it, it never really a bit underwhelming. told you anything. Yeah, yeah. So, so good. Still, still a good film. Definitely recommend it. So you recommend it then? Uh, you've also seen Coco. Coco, uh, just seen recently. Disney Pixar at its best. Um, brilliant, yeah, brilliant is, visuals. Yeah, I mean that's uh, what we expect. Oh, it's brilliant, um, brilliant visuals. I feel like last year we missed a Pixar film. We didn't really get any like. No, but when was Moana? Was Moana? That was that was that was at least 2016. 2016. That was 2016. Um, and I feel like that was kind of. I feel like animation films last year were underserved. I don't remember. Yeah. In the film of the year, for instance, I don't think there's any. No. no. <clears throat> I think it was more so. I think now there's more so live films. Yeah, like Jungle obviously pa- Book, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Uh, these these kind of things. But no, back back on form with Coco. Um, really good feel good family film. Um, it's got the usual Disney. Uh, Disney charm. Oh, Disney charm, pulling at the heartstrings. Mm-hmm. Uh, aye, so I'm not again. I'll not say too much into it, but aye. I think I definitely was, am looking forward to seeing yeah, that one. I think it, it's one of these films where, when I come to the end of 2018, it's probably going to be in the top ten or top twenty. Fantastic. Um, you've seen three billboards, and uh, that's the film that's getting really high praise right now uh, from uh, everyone that I've spoken to about it. Yeah, I mean, rightly so. Um, again, it's. Uh, similar to Coco, if someone was to say right now, give us your give us your top ten or top twenty, I think three billboards would probably be my number one. Yeah, uh, like the, the people that I've spoken to about it, they've given it such high praise that they're talking about it definitely in the top yeah, ten, if not yeah. the top one. Uh, without doubt. at the end of the year, which is high praise considering we're only in January. Yeah, um, but it does make me want to see it. Just, I mean, just it's just get it's get everything: comedy, mm. brilliant dialogue, great story. Um, Actors on top of their game, you know, Francis McDormand uh, fits that role perfectly. You yeah, know, the dark comedy. Uh, Woody Harrelson's brilliant in it, mm. but Sam Rockwell for me he steal steals it? the show. Absolutely. Um, well, um, Seven Psychopaths, I thought he kind of did as well. I thought he was brilliant in yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's he's, he's probably going to be up there with the, what I would probably say that, you know, the best supporting mm-hmm. actor Aye. category for three billboards. Wow. I think he's probably going to be in with a shout. The post. So the post is. I mean, it's Spielberg on. It's Spielberg on top form, right? It's, it's 1971. You know, it's 
Yes. This is about the Washington Post. Yeah, the it's talking about the, yeah, it's talking about the the Pentagon Papers. So it's basically, um, basically a lot of information that's been leaked in the Vietnam War in mm. terms of things that the the U.S. government did, or should I say, they shouldn't have done <laughs> uh, throughout the war. So the the Times gets a hold of it first, and then the president has an injunction and basically threatens to close the, the, right, the, the Times yeah. down uh, and take them to court. Yeah. Um. With that said, the the post gets a hold of it, uh, and then obviously they try and run it. Gets their head. It's obviously a true story, so it's very hard to not have you know not speak about the spoilers in the film. Yeah, um, yeah, you can't really spoil too much. Uh, no, so, so a non-fictional um, story. You can just look it up. Yeah, but. so it's. I mean, it's good tension throughout the film. It's, it looks great. It almost feels as if you're in 1970s mm. America. You know, the sets are brilliant. They capture it well. Spielberg on form. I just thought that it was. I just thought that the actual subject matter. A wee bit meandering. A wee bit. Just again, small. anticlimactic, and there's a lot of dialogue. Essentially, the film's basically just about a group of guys. Uh, in a smoky room, and mm. and a, a you know, I think that. in that respect, some films do that really well. Like I like if it's great dialogue. Uh, I mean, yeah, mostly Tarantino recent his recent like films essentially. Um, the Hateful Eight. One scene, it's all one eight, a- great actors giving great dialogue. So that yeah. to me can be good. And that kind of uh, it's not an instant put off, yeah. but if it's not written as well as it should be, then it, obviously that could be incredibly. Small. I mean, I think it's just. I mean, Hanks is on form, Streep's on form. There's mm. a couple of really good supporting uh, actors in there as well. Um, would you recommend this film? I would certainly say it's definitely one to watch. I just, I probably wouldn't say it's as good as his previous and Bridge of Spies. I think. Mm. I think. Difficult... I just watched Bridge of Spies recently, and that is brilliant. Yeah, I think Bridge of Spies is definitely. It is slow. There's a lot of dialogue in that. But it was, it was, yeah. it was a better for me. I just thought that was a better story. I like the setting as well. That sort of like yeah. paranoia that was kind of yeah, prevalent around that time. Okay, uh, and last but not least, downsizing. <laughs> downsizing, downsizing's probably. I don't think I would say it's going to be in a top ten or top twenty. That's not. That's not to say it's not a really good film. Um, it's a really good film. Matt Damon's brilliant as in it. Uh, so this is the, the, what is the, the setting here? But we've got um, this is about people. It's an economical kind of solution. Yeah. So to basically, downsize people, yeah, make them ba- small. Aye. So it's basically um, how to how to combat overpopulation mm-hmm. in, the, in the world, um, so, and basically reduce. If you can get past the ridiculousness of that idea oh, aye, of honey, I shrunk the kids. Aye, aye, get past the concept of a six and a half foot man. Uh, turning into a five-inch yeah. <laughs> man. Yeah. Uh, but to be fair, the film doesn't take itself too seriously. It's not a film that's actually saying, "Well, no, this is what we should do" or anything mm. like that. It, it is a comedy. There's no doubt about uh, it. I think yeah, you go into it knowing what this yeah, silly yeah. premise the trailer, is, the, and the and trailers show it as a comedy. It's funny. Um, it's also got a, it's good acting in it as mm. well. Um, I don't know her name, but she she plays a Vietnamese uh, uh, like. Dissident, and she's brilliant in it. She's hilarious, okay. absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Christoph Waltz is good in it as well. Um, so yeah, I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it. It's, it'd be definitely one that you would go and watch, and maybe not have a lot of expectation, but you would come out going, "That was, I actually really enjoyed that." Excellent. Well, then that leads us to Darkest Hour, which we'll discuss yep. in great detail. Um, this is a film that I've seen and really enjoyed. I've written up a review on it and put it on Facebook. Um, 
This is uh, Winston Churchill, and it's not the first time we've seen Churchill, just within the last year. Mm-hmm. We've seen him in The Crown. Uh, John Lithgow plays him. Um, yeah. As well as that, the film last year, Churchill, uh, it's Brian Cox, Brian Cox who is, is described himself as a Churchill file in terms of he's researched him, is, uh, knows a lot about him. He even... I think at the time of filming he was at the exact same age and he didn't put on the weight yeah, for the role. Yeah. Um, the film, Church last year's film was good but it was flawed. So uh, the film kind of showed Church on a slightly negative light mm-hmm. and it, it was kind of this... It was almost it was almost a, a film that it, you almost had... It, it wasn't necessarily about Churchill. It was almost about his wife. It was almost well, about the it was, relationship. Yeah, it was, his... The relationship was shown negatively as well. That I mean, it is it is set four years or three years after which the film we're about to talk, The Darkest Hour, which yeah. is set in nineteen forty. Um, Churchill was actually set in nineteen forty four, if I'm not mistaken. It's there before D Day, yeah. and it's him plagued with kind of the depression and worries about what's happened before and his failures at Gallipoli, and obviously the threat of potentially losing or you know sending hundreds of thousands of British troops to die yeah. and all that kind of stuff it, it just it makes him look a bit um, weaker he's very vulnerable in it and also um, doesn't really portray him as a very nice man he, he, no he's not but then that side of him is also in the, this film yeah. The, yeah. The, so um, to finish on the first Churchill he um he comes across like he just interrupts meetings and nobody takes him seriously in that film. Whereas in The Darkest Hour, I think they get it right. Presence-wise, I think, yeah. I think definitely presence. He still is a, you know, a, I mean, it's Gary, Gary Oldman on absolute top form. Yeah, Gary know, Oldman um, has obviously been nominated. Um, I think he's been Oscar. He won BAFTA. For and, Best Actor. And I think he's definitely Oscar nominated. Yeah. And, and I think it does come across initially like a bit Oscar bait performance. It's very, uh, he's got all the prosthetics. He's, he's, um, I think he's, it's just the subject matter. The sub- well. and it's it's that kind of slow yeah. historical drama is the kind of film that Oscars like. Yeah. Um, but you can't just reduce it to that. It is a great performance. You do feel that he is Winston Churchill. Oh, definitely. The I mean, and I'm taking, I'm not thinking this is an actor trying to try, try too hard. I was think I was looking at him as Winston Churchill. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this film, Give some backstory on this. This is uh, 1940. This is uh, approaching the Dunkirk um, situation. So Neville Chamberlain is the current Prime Minister. However, due to lack of confidence, the Tories are trying to get him out. And essentially, it's a bit of a a contest to see who will take the place of Prime Minister. Uh, It's between the two options, really, Halifax and Churchill. We obviously all know how it goes. Um, Interesting, though. I I found it quite interesting in not actually knowing... You know, obviously, being only 30 years old, you know the history of the war, but you don't actually realise just how close Churchill came to not being in power. Yeah, you know, it was, the, it was funny the film really shows the sort of machinations and the kind of scheming that was yeah. going on backstage. Um, I mean, even the king, even the king wanted Halifax. The, it seems the king, uh, the 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 kind of they all talk about Churchill as this this a bit of a fool, but but he kind of proves them wrong eventually. Yeah. The king comes round to him, but the king obviously has reservations. Some great scenes with the king. Will oh, you mention that? No. Uh, ben Mendelssohn, um, kind of. I think he gets the accent really well. Yeah. Like you pointed out, he's got that sort of stiff posh. He looks so classy and eloquent, but and, and it, it contrasts really well and with so Churchill. A, yeah, there's a scene where there's a scene where Churchill's in one of the big expansive rooms in Buckingham Palace. Mm. Uh, the king's wearing his red 
um, you know, jacket. Very, very straight back. Two arms are perfectly on the, on you know, placed yeah. uh, on the table. Yeah, he's got like pro- proper posh etiquette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you, expect. <laughs> and then you, you look at Churchill, who's fat, you know, he's slouched over, <laughs> he's, his head's nearly in his soup. Alcohol constantly <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You can Cigar. hardly understand. So you can see, I suppose you could probably see the the, the, the culture difference. Oh, the, king, the king's exactly. probably thinking, mm. is this guy, gonna, this guy can't win a war? Yeah, you they know, really emphasise the difference between the two. But uh, uh, you know, we all, uh, Churchill eventually kind of got his respect. Yeah. Um, the film's got a great um, chemistry with his wife, Clemmy. Yeah. Kristen Scott Thomas. Um, in contrast to the previous one, where it was the relationship was definitely on the rocks, and it looked like Clemmy and the film from last year was almost you know not in love with him anymore because he was such a a bit of a wreck yeah. emotionally and yeah. things like that. This film, there's a bit of like she'll put him down, she'll t- she'll talk him down when he's going on a sort of rant, but she'll also that you can see the affection that they've got. Yeah. You can tell that this is a couple that have been through a lot, but yeah. at the same time she wants to see see him through and uh, is support very supportive. And they've got a couple of like light funny moments. It's yeah, a yeah. film that doesn't have a lot of. It's not a very it's surprisingly not a light funny film, no. but there's a, a few light moments that really kind yeah. of add levity that I really respect. Really Definitely, like yeah. There's a, there's a couple. I think there's one scene where he's talking to his secretary, and it's a telegram. I can't remember what the dialogue's be said, but he basically reads something, uh, something about um, bottom. Something I can't remember what. It oh is. yeah, I know uh, you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So and he says that, and he just he basically just reads it and walks down the corridor mm-hmm. laughing hysterically. Aye. It's um, he had done the the the, the Vicky oh, sign. The two, sorry, that was it. It was the it was the Vicky sign, but the secretary says in certain circles that means up, uh-huh. up, up your he didn't realise he was trying to do the peace sign but yeah. he was doing it the other way around so he was actually offending everyone yeah, and the photo yeah, yeah. was out in the newspaper uh-huh. and she showed it to him and then obviously he found the funny side yeah. and it was just a kind of it, it kind of his armour came down he looked like he was a human because yeah. it kind of comes across but most, I mean I suppose it was good most prime ministers you would imagine if that came out Especially in this modern day, it would be absolutely <laughs> Theresa May. Theresa May saying up, up, up the bum or whatever, and then so Churchill just obviously laughed it off and it went. Was, ah, that, was a great, that was a really great scene. Yeah. And again, we mentioned the typist. I think she, again, their relationship was really nice. Um, we're introduced to her. She's essentially getting, you know, she gets torn apart. Um, he, he he rants a lot. He's very hard on them. Um, she uses double sided when he doesn't like that. Yeah. And then sends her out, and she's. But then, as the film continues, you see the kind of the, the, the relationship changes. Um, he warms to her, and they kind of have this. There's a great moments where they just sit in silence and kind of, when she realizes how desperate the situation is, because yeah. he's kind of confided in her, and there's this kind of moment. And I, I thought it was great. That yeah, was a great scene. Both the yeah. two of them just the director just let, lets it linger. The two of them just sit there, kind of, kind of holding back the tears a wee yeah. bit. But this kind of it was a great poignant moment. So. That's really uh, most of what we'll say on that. Um, we don't want to give too much away. Um, no, I think it's just. A, I mean, again, it's it's similar to the post. You know, it's it's one of these films where it's unless you've been living literally in a, a shelter all your life, you you kind of know mm. what happens. You know, it's you know, you know, we 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 he wins the war. Mm-hmm. Germany's defeated. Um, this, I think, this film. It, for me, it was a lot interesting because it was it was it was almost like I have I have never really understood just how close we came to losing the it, war. 
there's a focus on the sort of the worry that politicians have. They actually are trying to convince Churchill to make a, a deal with the yeah. Germans, yeah. surrender. And God, you can't believe how cl- the film shows that he's really coming close he to considers that. It. Like he he's is, definitely considering And that's it, yeah. quite scary. Uh, I was okay, kind of like taken aback by that. Yeah, yeah. And the film also has this feeling of like, there's a lot, it looks like a lot of the scenes are this kind of claustrophobic feel to it there's a lot of tight corridors a lot of dusty bunker looking I think um, my... and I always get this feeling that that kind of made it seem really gloomy yeah, yeah. and, and it, it kind of representing how Britain probably was Just at that 19, time yeah 1940s Britain I, yeah. I think there's my favourite scene and I think it was when he's, he's he is on the fence doesn't really know what's happening he knows he's he knows he's, he's you know his cabinet pretty much want him out. They don't. They, they don't respect him. They don't. They, they just basically want to discuss a peace deal. Um, and there's a funny thing he says at the start of the film, and he says, well, "I've never, I've never had to stand in a queue or take a bus or whatever." And when he's going to, when he's going to um, Westminster, he basically just gets out and takes the and takes the tube. Uh, and one of, that is easily one of my favourite scenes in the film. It's when he's on actually not is one of my favourites. No? It's actually um, the scene that I had a bit of a problem with. There's a couple of logistically I read online that apparently that was just one stop, but oh, <laughs> that train was going for about fifteen minutes. Aye, aye. Um, the other thing is, I, I, I thought it was a bit hokey, a wee bit kind of uh, corny, like the kind of. And it, it, I read as well that that scene was definitely fabricated for the film. Right, okay. There is stories that apparently he did just to just disappear from Parliament and just go and do things. Mm-hmm. They didn't know if he did that specifically that time for that specific yeah. decision that he came with. But um, So he goes to, he speaks to locals and gets their feeling on should we surrender and I obviously... Think it, I, mean, I think it, it's just like... I, I, I personally found it a bit, a bit cheesy, a bit yeah. corny. I liked it in the sense... You know, everyone always talks about, you know, the, the, the spirit of the British people and, you know, and I suppose at that point it was like, I suppose that's the way I seen it was that that's where it all came from, you know, rather than just leave it up to politicians and that to decide their fate. I think, yeah, I get the sort of the feeling behind it. It's just maybe how it was done. It came out, I don't know, it came out of nowhere and I just didn't. It didn't resonate with me. I thought it was a bit forced. Mm. But, I mean, it's one scene, essentially, one sequence out of an entire film of great moments that yeah. it held it back from me from giving it probably a five-star review. I've given it probably a four. I think I would probably agree. I'd agree with a four-star. I don't think it's... It's not that reason, though, you would give it that? Is it just maybe not... The, the subject matter really doesn't give you that kind of... I, think I need to see it again. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's uh, I think it's just, it's, a, it's it's one of these films where I would probably class it as it's a one-time, mm. well, probably maybe even a second-time watch, but it, I think it's a great film just to take it in and appreciate it on that one go because... It's not. It's not like a. It's not like a kind of Star Wars film where there's things that happen in it that you've never ever seen mm. before. It's it's completely made yeah, up. You know, so you know that you know the subject you know, matter. Yeah, it's a great in historical fact, drama. We uh, know what you're getting. Yeah. In fact, see, to be honest, see, see, probably a good thing to do is see if you actually finish watch Dark Star. I was just about to say this. Go and go and watch Dunkirk. Yeah, they're, they're a brilliant double bill. The idea of going straight from the Darkest Hour to Dunkirk essentially is the next chapter yeah. in that seg- yeah. that story, and that is. I mean, that's. Uh, I know that obviously the two films are completely, you know, in terms of a release and a, you know, they're, yeah, they're well, completely it's like, unrelated. Yeah, but, they're, uh, they're different genre action yeah, film yeah, and I also would, a historical drama, but the, the story continues essentially. Basically, the darkest there was all the back office stuff. Yep. Uh, Dunkirk's obviously the forefront. You know, you see the action, see the men on the beaches. Churchill's, um, you know, they, they speak about Churchill making these decisions. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, on the beach yeah um, he's referenced I don't think he is actually in the film I was trying to remember this I can't if he's think in, if he's in the film um, however it is it is interesting again it's the two dynamics of the two films because in Dunkirk all the soldiers they're, they're criticising Churchill but actually right. when you when you see the darkest hour he's actually fighting against uh-huh. the cabinet against, to, yeah. to, to, to sort this yeah. out so yeah. I, a special mention as well to uh, Stephen Delane um, he plays Halifax we haven't mentioned him, and I actually didn't no, mention him in review, which I felt yeah. kind of bad about. He's great in it as Halifax, yeah. quite a scheming guy. Um, uh, he's, people might recognise him from Game of Thrones. He plays a, a you know Stannis yeah. Baratheon, and um, he's got a lot of menace. And um, I, I really liked, uh, I really liked him in it as well as all the supporting cast, as I mentioned before. Um, you know, casting was brilliant in this film. Really good, yeah, really good. I really liked it. Again, I would probably still have it. As, as a four star, I don't. Yeah, think yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I don't think it, you know, completely blew my mind. Mm. But um, in terms of definitely recommend it, and especially Emma who you know is interested in the subject of the, that absolutely. time frame as well. Absolutely, I think I was as well. I love, I love and the it, World War Two. Well, yeah. I love World War Two, but I, I love you know. I love film set within that time yeah. frame, um, and it's yeah. So it's a, a, pl- a thumbs up from us, I suppose. Absolutely, absolutely. Capiche? Capiche. Oh, <laughs> Four star, go and see it, capiche? Scott, say hi to the microphone. Hi, microphone. Maybe a little less enthusiastic. Hi, microphone. Even less enthusiastic. Hi, microphone. And one more really enthusiastic. Hi, microphone.